fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. This is the 40 and 20 podcast with your hosts, Andrew, and my good friend Everett. Here, we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Everett, how are you? I'm great, man. Today was an exciting day. Well, really, yesterday was an exciting day. I got a shipment, a large shipment of watches. Yes. <laughs> That's kind of exciting what else, to say. What else do we need for the week? Right. Month, maybe, even. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just as happy as happy can be because I've got new watches in, Especially in the because rotation. It, and because it wasn't a shipment of, like, F91s. Yeah, that's right. It, it was a it's a full on shipment of legitimate watches. So courtesy of uh, Instagram user MGM Maze. I don't know how you say that. Mega Maze. Mega Maze. Mega Maze. Ooh, I kind of like Perhaps. that. Anyway, he's just a great dude. He's been a friend of the show since we started. Uh, genuine dude. Uh, always has positive stuff to say. Great feedback. Um, and he just sort of out of the blue last week was like, Hey, I've got a bunch of notice divers. Uh, I think that you guys haven't looked at, do you guys want to take a, take a couple weeks with them or have them is what I understood them. Right. Do you guys want to have them for free for forever? Um, so I of course said yes. And so now we've got sitting not five feet away from me. I'm I'm touching them. You're touching them. That's right. All three. Would you, you should get them out of your pants. Those are not yours. Uh, so yeah, we... I mean, you, you mark terror. This is this is what what we've just became. It's a battle now. We've, right. I've started a war. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that's how freaking cool is that? So you know, you know, that's been the nicest thing about doing this show is that you 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 have this credibility, um, and and so people do this trusting thing, and people um, are are just so generous. I'm always blown away, but getting these watches in last night, I got home from work, or actually, I, I didn't get home till dang near 10 o'clock last night maybe even a little after that um because i was i was working in another town that's you know many miles away but uh kim had sent me a text message to say hey there's this box what's in here and i said oh, some don't open it <laughs> no i told her to open it i did tell her send to me pictures it. uh but she didn't whenever i get watches uh that arrive to the house when for some reason i'm not home uh, and i know it's a watch delivery i tell my wife to open it put it on and take a picture right <laughs> and she does that she usually yes yeah. yeah usually yes yeah so i, I mean how freaking cool and then i think i sent you a picture i i sort of opened opened at least one of them up and slid it way up on my arm and put the other two down below and i took a picture and sent it to you last night you didn't know they were coming no i did not know they were coming because i'm not good at checking the instagram and i saw that <laughs> picture and i said do you have these is this real <laughs> is that your arm yeah <laughs> or no you said are those on you yeah yeah that's what I said. are those on you <laughs> yes they are um, uh so yeah we've got three watches from notice and these are the three notice divers that we haven't had yet that we haven't tried on yet so right. uh the so actually user the right wrist did uh send us a notice avalon he mm-hmm. did not send us a Mon- monta triumph so uh a, a brief a brief correction i said last week the right, right wrist sent us a uh monta triumph he did not that that was the notice Avalon that he sent us. Mm-hmm. So JW, I think it's 19. Shoot. I should get that right. Uh, w- w- we will, we will for sure shout you out correctly at the end of the episode. Um, but y- y- yeah, so the, the right wrist actually did send us a notice Avalon, his blue notice Avalon that we have on our, you know, featured on our Instagram page several months ago, quite a few times. Um, and, and now we have the Trieste or Trieste. I, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent. 
I'm not even going to venture it. But we also have the contrail. The contrail. The the contrail with the with the dyed style bezel as well as the retrospect, the OG retrospect. So um, we have now hit the grand slam of notice divers. We've we've at least touched all of them. I've spent a little time with the contrail today because it was the one I was probably most excited about. Um, but I, I mean, really, have just only touched and looked at the other two. So I'm I'm pretty pumped. I I hope we can hang on these for a week or two at least to to let us each get some time with them. Um, but yeah, what, what a fun day, you know, uh, new watch day, not that there are, are new watches, but to, to play with new watches, I'm, I'm pumped. Um, probably try to hook up with, uh, Wes or, or the notice guys just to maybe chat with them at some point and, uh, get some information from them. And, and we might even do a notice episode here coming up in the next couple of weeks. I think, I think we now have enough experience with them that, I think it'd be reasonable for us. We will, certainly, at some point very soon. So um, when I knew the Contrail was coming, I, in my head, it was the sterile bezel uh, Contrail. Uh, And and so not that I'm disappointed that it's the dive bezel Contrail, but um, I I think I was a little bit excited to play with that sterile bezel Contrail. So maybe have to try to get my hands on one of those at some point. uh, Shit, I might just have to buy one, but... Um. Yeah. So this is pretty pretty cool. I'm I'm stoked about it. And they're all just terrific. I, I can't wait to to spend some more time off air, um, fondling these. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think our biggest complaint about the Avalon when we had it, we didn't have it for very long. But I, I think our biggest complaint, uh, our sh- biggest shared complaint, was just the size. It's a it's a pretty big watch. It's a legit sort of. Yeah, it's a no bullshit chunk. That's right. Um, and so two of these, uh, in, in particular, um, in particular that Trieste and, and the, the Contrail to, or the, the retrospect to a lesser extent are pretty chunky. Uh, they're pretty big watches. The, the Contrail is, is smaller. I think it's a 40 millimeter case and, and it feels like a 40 millimeter case, but I will say, and you, your first comment was, holy cow, that's tall. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bezel on that thing is substantial. And the crystal comes up above the bezel, even even then some. So I think the one on bracelet it would be more manageable than on this on this blue shark, even though it looks so good on this this kind of copper colored blue shark NATO. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just complements that kind of sandy cream uh, dial color so well. That's right. That's right. It really does. I mean, it, it even off even off of the strap, it, it it's got some. It's got oh, it's some, got some some. Thickness. Some thickness she thick <laughs> thick yeah. thick uh so yeah that's right I, I we definitely we have bracelets for all of these so i think next stop is on the bracelets um i, I think talking to talking to the fellow who sent us i i think he's not particularly fond of bracelets so he he does not wear these on the bracelets but he did ha- he does have them and he did send them to us my my first uh thought about the uh the contrail was based based on its size uh it is a straight boats and hose watch that is a watch <laughs> i can i like i would feel so good about wearing to the lake wearing to the beach because i know i'm not gonna hurt it it's gonna look good and it it feels good it, it does yeah I, I mean the size of it's really the size of it's really good even with that sort of added thickness which is kind of uh probably probably a little bit off-putting at first glance to me but it just wears it really well and that loomed bezel dude it's it's dope i'm into it yep all of them 
I'm into it. So we'll give these guys, we'll give these guys some more attention soon, some specific attention. Uh, we won't talk about them too much more today, but just a preview. Uh, check out the Instagram. These things will be on the Instagram um, as we move through these next couple of weeks because I'm gonna be I'm gonna be taking pictures of them. They're all three pretty photogenic watches. Oh, yeah. I can tell you that much already. So uh, yeah, how are you doing, man? Good. Busy. Yeah, tired you, you sound like you've had a week i i have had a week we are in our first week of uh firearms training um which is i joked with my uh my family this last weekend at my uh after my son's birthday party that i'm i'm basically living like teenage andrew's dream right i'm driving cars i'm shooting guns and i'm getting paid to do it right <laughs> i'm not getting paid poorly either. no uh so yeah it's been tiring though i i was i was telling you right when i got here i was like i feel bad complaining about this but but damn i am tired yeah so got some blisties on my hands that's a good sign i'm just gonna keep keep plugging away as it were (laughs) (laughs) i like it yeah i like it you're complaining about your elbows yeah everything hurts you know when you when you learn a you go to a new organization who does something uh that you've done in the past at other organizations but they do it a wholly different way Uh, i think it brings in a whole new layer of challenge to learning it as opposed to starting with a blank slate you have to Um, break some of that muscle memory break a lot of muscle memory break a lot of uh they weren't bad habits before but they're bad habits now right yeah so break a lot of habits and relearn all kinds of mechanics that i was otherwise pretty comfortable with but i'll do it and is it nine millimeter that you're shooting, or three hundred eight, or all nine mil this All-9. week? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and then you move into five five six next week. So I'm told. <sighs> cool, man. Yeah. And just M four or or whatever a- their AR variation 15. is, like variant. Yeah. Neat. Neat. And you've got plenty. I, I assume the shooting mechanics are going to be exactly the same. I sure hope so, dude. They can't. You can't break that. <laughs> nah, yeah, that's it. I mean, but I'll I'll learn it. Yeah. Uh, sports might yeah might be slow but i'll i'll learn the the new mechanics and i'll do it the way they want me to uh, i mean because they're paying me to so nine mil is one thing right uh because it, it's a pistol and you, you know we, you don't learn that even in the army right you don't learn shooting a nine mil the way you you learn shooting the m4 or the the ar or the m16 you know the <clears throat> mechanics of that are so specific uh for for the m16 for the 556223 um and they're the same at every place you go and you know you know with the nine there's quite a bit of variation i found oh yeah because when i when i the first time i used an m9 in the army uh i was handed it and said uh here's your tables of qualification godspeed yeah unfortunately i'd I'd had a pistol shooting background i mean i've shot in leagues i've shot you know at at low level competitive levels but I've, i've done a lot of pistol shooting and through YouTube and trial and error and through coaching, I've, I've developed mechanics that worked well for me, um, but they're not a suitable organizational mechanics mm-hmm. for the organization I'm a part of now. So uh, relearning it. But in the army, they just handed me an M9 and they said, here's what you got to do. Go forth and right. conquer. Right. <laughs> and I did. Here, here's how many you have to hit. Good yeah. luck. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good. Well, good. That's exciting. Yeah. So, so can't watches, really complain, but I will complain. Watches and weapons. Yeah. I like it, man. Well, 
I think we've got a fun topic today. I, I don't know. I, I suspect we should get into it because I think we might. Yeah, I think so too. We might go long. This is a topic that we've already discussed at, at, at some level, right? So we we facet of it. A facet of it. So we're going to talk about chronographs today, and we're going to talk about uh, you, you know, I think the 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 title today might be chronographs revisited, uh, which is not to say we've we've not. Which is not to say we've talked about chronographs specifically, um, because we have, but I don't think we've ever taken sort of a comprehensive look at chronographs, and, and, and there's a few reasons for that. And I think to call this comprehensive might even be a misnomer, because I don't know, I don't know if we can do a comprehensive look in the time period we have allotted for ourselves. Th- that's right. So maybe a, a comprehensive summary. Okay, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, you know, as we do with these sort of watch category type episodes, I think we're going to talk about some history, um, maybe a, a, a historical watch or two. But then our favorite part, we're going to give you guys some some options. If you're buying a chronograph today, what are some watches that you maybe haven't thought about that, that you should? And, and as usual, we, there are a ton of watches that we would buy that we're maybe not going to talk about today because we just have talked about them so many times and there's so much diversity i mean you look at let's just take seiko for example you could find a new seiko a new modern iteration currently produced seiko every day for probably the next 50 days and still not exhaust everything that's out there right right that's right i mean shit that that pilot's chronograph that we talked about a couple weeks ago i'd never seen that before and i've looked at a lot of seiko chronographs right right you know, and there's just so many, there's so many options, right? Seiko, Citizen, I mean, there's Citizen's, that Citizen Chronograph Field Watch, uh, I can't remember what it's called, the EcoDrive Field Watch. Uh, it is the Chandler. The Chandler, that's right. It's such a cool watch. We're not going to talk about it, because we've uh, already talked about yeah, it. Yeah, there's the Chandler, and then there's the, um, uh, there's another another variant that's not the Chandler, it's something really similar to that. I'm thinking the one with, like, the sort of late uh 19th century early 20th century roman or yep. not roman but serif font yep and, i know i can see it i yeah. can't uh I'll, you, you, I'll yell it out in the middle of the episode you know a nighthawk some of these watches that we've talked about so many times we're, we're not going to talk about today but so andrew can you take me back to 1815 1815 i can a renaissance man a man whom i strive a true renaissance a, man right a, a man who I strive to have a Wikipedia page like. Right. It'll never happen. I know that. But maybe. Perhaps. Maybe, maybe tonight in my dreams. Perhaps. A, a fella named um, Louis Monet? I'm going to say, say Monet. There's Monet? That, that I is going to change that. that. Louis Monet. Uh, and I wrote a French Renaissance man. Yeah. Because he really was. He was an neurologist. Uh an astronomer, uh, an accomplished astronomer, uh, quite, and uh, a writer. I mean, just the whole package. <clears throat> so anyway, this fellow was. He also had like seventeen kids. Didn't didn't care about that. I made that up. He might have though, <laughs> and and maybe syphilis. We don't know. Perhaps that was common then. Anyway, um, so this fellow was such a renowned neurologist. Just to just to give a, a little a little peek at his credentials, uh, he made clocks for the likes of napoleon the the czar alexander the first thomas jefferson james monroe the king of england and a whole other list of of uh, european monarchs and nobility and all these folks this guy made clocks uh and for example the the 
the clock he made for Thomas Jefferson had all kinds of cool features that Thomas Jefferson was like, you know, I want it to be beautiful, I want it to be durable, and I want it to be utilitarian in true Jeffersonian fashion. And and he lived up to it. So this guy uh, has some has some horological chops. Now, he was also an astronomer. So he set out to create a better timing device to perform more precise measurements of astrological movements and what he came up with was a what was the original the birthplace of a chronograph and it was a tape chronograph a sliding piece that you could mark where time was moving on right well i don't think so he no this is actually... no no the tape was the was the later that was the, the commercial that's right that's so the that's I'm the Rusek. yep you're right i'm sorry his chronograph was the birthplace, and it evolved much later. Actually, like a significant time passed over a hundred years later. So, yeah. so this, so the cool thing about this. So, so there's a couple cool things about this. One, we didn't really know about it until 2013. So, so there was some rumors right. and some theories, but it wasn't until 2013 that they were able to sort of pin this guy down. And and, and that is an episode in and of itself. And I, and I I'm not sure that we ever get there because of the format that we're here. But that is a story that is absolutely fascinating the the folks that sort of got together these museum curators and these horology experts so they pin this guy down they find this they find this watch and it's not a watch it's not a watch or a clock because it doesn't tell time it is purely only a time measure a a a chronometer that's right or not a chronometer a, a chronograph pure pure chronograph complication no time um but this thing is like the most accurate, complicated, advanced chronograph that came out for over a century. Mm-hmm. Nothing even approaches this thing. So this is this is the, these are the specs of this thing. Two hundred and sixteen thousand beats per hour measures time to one sixtieth of a second. One sixtieth of a second, which is an incredible number considering we're in 1815 and we're not it's not going to be until the mid 20th century or early 20th century uh till someone meets it or even gets close to it Mm -hmm. crazy and this is not this is not a commercially available piece this is a one-off he made it for him for his study of the skies wonderful cool story yep uh also it's included in his uh trait de rollagerie the, the two-volume encyclopedia that he wrote about horology uh, that included his self-drawn designs for watches. Uh, and it's something I'd like to be able to get my hands on an English translation of. Yeah, I Shouldn't bet we could. Shouldn't even exist. Yeah, I bet we could. Well, very cool. So, so a few years later, this fella, Nicola Matthew Rusek, I think is how we're going to say that. Yeah. He makes the first what we're going to call a commercial, or what I'm going to call a commercial chronograph. In the 1820s. That's right. That's right. So this is commissioned by King Louis XVIII to measure horse racing. Yeah, because he wanted to know how long the horse race lasted. Right. Not just how far they were running, but how long it lasted. And one of the components that he was looking for was the timing of the finisher and the ability to time everyone, all, all the horses that finished after him. Yeah. That's right. So build an entire ticker tape, if you will. Thanks, King Louis. Of uh, of horse racing. 
and and who would have thought that that horse racing would be the the driver behind uh, this this development? Um, I would have I would have expected um, it to be have been like a military development mm-hmm. and not a uh, recreational development. Well, you know, really, we see that 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 chronographs are developing not so much in military but in sport. So uh, f- first horses then people running mm-hmm. people and, and then and then cars these are the places that that are pushing the development um you, you know it's not airplanes it's not uh timing mortars or munitions it's it's sports yeah which is which is pretty interesting and obviously those applications become important along the way but it's integration of a currently available technology as opposed to technological advancements and development for that purpose that's right you know we're so used to the military industrial machine Mm -hmm. that we just assume that if something's getting better it's getting better because of the billions of dollars being poured into the military that was not always the case in fact probably before the probably before the first world war it was just not even on people's brains Mm -hmm. Um, and, and then obviously first world war we're we're pouring all of our industry into the war effort and and then once again in the second world war we in the united states are but but not just us everybody internationally is really sort of ramping up and i think that creates an industry mm-hmm. that wasn't there before but certainly in the earliest parts of the of the 19th century and, and into the earliest parts of the 20th century it was sport and the horse racing chronograph that was commercially available was the tape that a pen was dropped on it and it was just a running tape you could mark and i think there were a couple of iterations of these there was a paper disc Mm -hmm. with ink that dropped on it and then there was also tape so um these it's almost laughable how unsophisticated these commercially available chronographs are when compared to these the monet chronograph i mean yeah. it's night and day it, it's it yeah it's it's not even the same product that not the same technology not even not even close i mean like like you said the the technology that he that he even dreamt of again for a hundred years that's right that's right so yeah i think it's uh 1844 uh, breitling breitling develops a resetting chronograph movement yep the british british company breitling uh, at, at the time, comes out with a, a chronograph that, by way of a by way of a button or a pusher or something, resets, and, and then slowly throughout the 19th century, they make incremental. And it's, and it's Breitling making the innovations on this. Who is who are the 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 ass behind these big jumps in chronograph development, I, including. All the way to 1969, Breitling is right there in the game for the first automatic chronograph. Mm-hmm. And they were part of the team. They were part of the big caliber 11 team. And they were, in 1934, the ones who unveiled the chronograph as we know and see it today with a 2 and 4 o'clock pusher to manipulate the chronograph uh, complication. Good old Breitling, man. Yeah. Who'd have thunk it? Uh, that wouldn't have been who came to mind for me without no. without um, diving into it. You, you know, um, Hoyer makes perfect sense to me. And I don't know if I said tag Hoyer earlier. That's habit. If I did, forgive me. But Hoyer um, is making these, is making development makes perfect sense, mm-hmm. right? 
you, you know, Longines is sort of driving some of this stuff. It, it doesn't surprise me terribly. Breitling being there in the mix of it, I thought, oh, that's weird. That's interesting. Kind of surprising. Uh, yeah, especially with the uh, type of profile they keep now. Um, yeah, but glad they did it because yeah. I sure love the chronograph. Yeah, I do too. Uh, and then in the, like, like you said, in the sixties, the introduction of the first automatic chronograph with the caliber 11, six sixty nine, which is controversial. Right. But probably true. Right. So, so that's right. I, I mean, I think that it's controversial because there are three companies that basically drop their automatic chronographs at the same exact time. Seiko drops their 6139 Zenith or Zenith mm-hmm. drops the El Primero. Hoyer drops the caliber 11, the Hoyer team, Mm -hmm. right, drops the caliber 11, and and all of a sudden, everybody's got an automatic chronograph, so they're going to fight about who did it first. I I think that the popular opinion is that it was caliber 11. Frankly, I don't care that much who did it first, because they were all right there. And they all all make them now. That's right. That's right. And now... So, so we're up to up to the modern era of chronographs, and there's a handful of styles, and a handful of... um, movements behind our our current iteration of chronographs and the way i see them and the way i I, i'm comfortable breaking them down into quartz mecha quartz automatic split second and digital can you do you think think we're gonna come up with more than five no i think that's right I, i mean there are there are certainly other ways to use a chronograph that wind up creating a genre in and of itself but i think in terms of what's the technology behind the chronograph i think that that's as good as you can get and split seconds feels to me like a little bit of a throwaway because realistically there's not a whole lot of split seconds watches out there and not for people like us certainly not for people like us what if you could make one you know i know i could not probably not (laughs) you did you did you did sort of ponderously look out the window like you were thinking about it yeah maybe yeah no i don't think i could (laughs) i mean perhaps i'll I'll give you that i'll give you a solid perhaps thank you you're welcome i think you believe more in me than i do (laughs) um but i think it's important also to to recognize the uh the digital chronograph uh in this conversation yeah Uh, And, and you know i don't know enough about the difference between a digital quartz chronograph and an analog quartz chronograph to know if the technology is significantly different i don't know i wouldn't think so i'm just not sure i i don't don't know i mean obviously the the digital quartz chronograph isn't doing any moving things um it's just it's just giving you a readout so so obviously the the digital chronograph is having to move hands so i i assume there are some pretty major differences there but in terms of how it keeps the time i don't know and i should have looked at that and and maybe there's uh maybe there's a distinction there that that actually isn't a distinction i don't know but it'd be interesting to know something to look into for next time yeah that's how that's how i see the five current chronographs breaking down yeah i I think that's reasonable and and then in terms of styles you got everything right you've got these sort of slide rules you've got driving chronographs or you know racing chronographs with the tachometer aviation chronographs uh i've got uh the dress air quotes dress chronographs Mm -hmm. um which really just come down to i mean all these just come down to design cues that are made by whoever's making that watch and whoever they're trying to market it to yeah Uh, because there's a good number of 
chronographs that I think you could wear as a dress watch. Well, I'll tell you, and I've there's got a that... shitload that you can't. That's right. I, I've got that HCAD Ed sixty three that I, I've I've seen the I've seen the package. I've seen a picture of the package in my Instagram DM, so I know that's coming back to me. I'll have been I think about seven weeks without it, which has been tough. I sent Ed my address though, so oh dang it. <laughs> uh, sorry. <laughs> so that is a military watch. That's not a dress watch at all. Air Force. That's a Chinese Air Force utilitarian military watch based on that uh, old Seagull design. Uh, I'll tell you, it's probably the most dressy watch I own. Uh, put that thing on leather, and it is very dressy. It's it's reasonably thin. It's got good polish to it. Those markers, those polished markers, uh, just glow in the light. They sparkle. It's the dressiest watch I own, for sure. How do you think it compares against the Sarb? In the uh, way of dressy. Dressier. Think I think I do think it's dressier. You, you know, th- I think maybe a notable difference is I almost always wear the Sarb on the bracelet. It, mm, it's, yeah. it, it, and if it's not on the bracelet, it's probably on rubber. Uh, so that in and of itself takes away from it. But I think that even on the same style bracelet, it's it's got a smaller lug width, so I couldn't wear them on the same exact band. Uh, but even if I put both of those things on a, you know, say a... A, a nice pebble calf or, or a croco grain something or the other i still think the h kid's probably going to take the edge i think you're probably right i wonder why i'm I'm trying to think of the design pieces to it and i think it's just because the sarb is designed as a sport watch it's it, it's got a sporty sporty case style which is d- drastically different than that very round case shape that you're getting with the with the uh hk ed that's right. I mean, I think I think you nailed it, right? Yeah. So the 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 Ed sixty three has kind of got that vintage style. It's round. Everything's polished. It's got the polished markers, um, and, and the Sarb has brushed finishes too, mm-hmm. which I think gives lends it some sporty some sportiness that the the Ed sixty three doesn't have. So yeah, well, so we've covered some some styles, some ground, um, some ground. And then, then you start diving a little bit deeper into design cues and into how the uh, how you're keeping time, because that that's going to come into not just not just powering it, not the style of it, but are you keeping time with a with subdials only, uh, a combination of subdials and a primary second hand like with, with a racing chronograph? Um, do you have running seconds? Do you not have running seconds? This is it's such a a varied option for a watch that there really is one to fit everyone's every desire i think yeah well i mean if you read watch you see you you can tell that people always want something i think if you have unlimited budget you can get almost exactly the thing you want but it's that guy who wants to spend no more than 200 bucks and wants a you know a flyback split second well, he's no an asshole. running hand, you know. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, I don't know. I- I've had those moments too, where I thought, "Gosh, if I only could find this thing." If I could only find a Maserati for sixty bucks. Well, yeah, you know, I, I think that there's a thing there, right? It- it's like for me, I think it-, it makes very little sense that there's no affordable automatic GMT movements. And, and there really aren't. There's, a, there's not, you're right. a DG, there's a Chinese DG something or the other that's got very suspect reliability, has been used in a number of sort of micro projects over the years, and, and the folks that use it are like, never again. 
Um, there is the Orient. Orient has an affordable-ish movement, GMT movement, that is not available to anybody else besides Orient. Um, and then other than that, you start getting pretty expensive pretty quick. There's the there's the movement that's in like the Bernhardt um, Corsair, I think is the name of the watch. I can't. Yeah, that's the one. Uh, it, there's an Etta. I think it's a 28, 24, 20. Anyway, th- there's an Etta variation that is, but they they start, I mean, the watches start at about 650, 700. So I think the movements are 300-ish realistically, which is a bucket load of money. Yeah. You, you know, you take a $350 watch and you put a $300 movement in it, and all of a sudden you got a $650 watch. Um, so I think that's been a thing. I, I know this is a little bit of a, a, a sidetrack, but I think that's been a thing that I've always thought, this is not an unreasonable thing for someone to think should exist. It just doesn't. No, I, I, I think you're there, and there, there has to be a reason that it doesn't. Either the market isn't there, or the profitability of the R&D to make that a less expensive movement isn't there. You, you know, I've talked, uh, I say I've talked to, I've never actually talked to the man, but I've, I've sort of chatted back and forth online with Chris Vale about this many moons ago. Um, he thinks the market's there. He thinks that it's a, a, a gap in the market and, and that if it was available, it could sell. Um, and I tend to think if someone would know, it would be Chris Vale. Um, if I could peg someone to know, that's who I would peg. But I think the question is, is the market there to make it someone like Chris Vale? Mm-hmm. I think the market exists. I think for a smaller brand, that, that market could exist. But I don't think that market exists for a larger company like Seiko or Citizen. Or well, Orient's Inc. got it already. They've already got the they've already got the movement. I, I know Orient doesn't do a sort of mass market. They've got limited resources, mm-hmm. um, but and they also they limit their distribution. Mm-hmm. I mean, they what's it? Uh, Royal Orient. Mm-hmm. I've never seen one in person. No, and I haven't either. And you have to really dig on the internet to find them. That's right. Well, you know, they're, I think their movement factory is in Akita, and, and I think that they're basically at capacity. So or, Orient's going to have to figure out how do they ride this sort of, I would call it a, a wave of popularity they're having right now. Um, and, and maybe I'm overstating that, but Orient's got to figure that out. I think we're seeing some some definite growth, and I think they're going to start to try to fill the void that, that Seiko's leaving with with their consolidation of, yeah. of lines. So so anyway, I, I guess the point is these chronographs, to the extent that you can't find what you don't want, maybe just hang on for a little bit. You probably will be able to find it someday. Or but. just keep digging. It's right. it's probably already out there. Well, what do you think? Should we should we talk about some watches, or do we have uh, do we have some more some more chronograph background that we can give? Let's let's jump into a few watches. Let's give some time to these uh, to these watches that we've pulled up because I think we've got some really really cool ones. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'll start it out. I'll start it out with a, with one that I've never seen before, which is not surprising because it's from a brand who has 10 million watches. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a Casio. And I'm going to read the, uh, I'm going to read it. Do it. MTP 4500D-1AV. And it's on Amazon for $39.17. U.S. American under 40 bucks, you're going to get a slide rule chronograph to your home in two days. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and it's so cool. Not only, not only is it a $40 chronograph, which until today, I would have, I would have laughed at you if you told me there was a $40 chronograph that wasn't, that, that had anything besides three pushers, but it also looks cool. Casio does a really good job with all of their very inexpensive offerings and making it look like a watch that you'd want to wear. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look like a piece of junk you're going to throw on the wrist. I mean, I, the the first thing that comes to mind is the the MDV. Mm-hmm. When you, a $40 diver, you think you're going to put it on and and laugh at it. Like you're going to be wearing this plastic piece of shit on your wrist that that will rot away on your way to work that day. Yeah. And that's just not what you get. No, that thing's fucking tits. And I imagine this is going to be a really similar feel. It's going to feel big and heavy. Uh, it, although the case is only 42 millimeters. No, so I'll tell you, I've worn this thing. I, I tried this thing on at a Walmart. And, and it's not as good as the MDV. I, I would be surprised if it was. It's very good. Not that good. That's disappointing to hear. Yeah. But it's also 40 money. 40 months? No, for 40, it's, it's, I, I think I almost bought it. I, I think I almost bought it that night when I tried it on. I'm almost positive I sent you a picture of it. Uh, we text message way too much to eke this out, but I'm almost positive I, I sent you a I'd, picture. I'd believe it. There's probably, I have to delete our text thread every once in a while because there's <laughs> so many watch pictures. So many watch pictures. I, I text you certainly more than I text my wife. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Me too. Me too. Oh, you shouldn't be texting my wife. So, um, Anyway, uh, it's close. Well, no, I get that. Uh, but the, what, what you're getting on here is is just a really classic aviator style chronograph mm-hmm. that if you're on a bracelet, on, yeah, on a bracelet with, with a slide, slide roll, roll uh, really great black dial uh, with concentric white circles on it uh, between your your twelve nine and six o'clock subdials. The appearance of applied markers. Yeah, yep, which is all you want. All you need is the appearance. You don't need the actual applied indices or markers or any of it. You just need it to look like it. It's like buying a fake Rolex. If if it can pass the the eye test, you're good. Maybe not. That's not true. Don't 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 do that. <laughs> but if you're just looking at dipping your toes into a uh, into the pilot chronograph uh, with a slide rule, or do you just want to try a slide rule and not have to drop a a good chunk of change on it? I th- I think this is a reasonable option, and I think it's a cool. A cool offering from a from a cool brand. It, it's not a watch you're ever going to regret buying. No. Uh, I I think there's probably some major finishing issues at forty bucks. Of course, there's going to be. You're you're. It's a Casio, but it's going to keep perfect time. Yeah, it's it's a quartz chronograph. It's going to keep perfect time, and it's only ten millimeters thick. Your soft boiled eggs are going to be perfect every single time. What else? I don't know. Some other stuff. Uh, it's got black multifunctional dial with three subdials. It's got a fold-over push-button clasp with safety closure. You're probably going to hate the bracelet. Yeah, no, you're going to hate the bracelet. Almost definitely. It, it it looks like a cheap bracelet. I, 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 and I use the word cheap and inexpensive very differently. This is a cheap bracelet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, it, it, it's fantastic, though. I really dig it. Uh, great choice. And a good size, forty-two millimeters for 42 a chronograph. Is good, ten thick. That's a win. Yeah, it's 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 a great size watch. Oh, you know what? I lied. There's not a date window, is there? Uh, it does not. It does appear that there's a date window right at the six o'clock. Nope, that's the thirty-second. Nope, you're right. No date window. Yeah, I lied to you guys. I'm sorry. We're sorry. It's not the first time, not the last time. No, certainly not the last time. Well, what we got next? Watch we, number two. We, we've covered our our, our inexpensive. Dip your toes in the chronograph world. 
dip your toes in the slide rule world watch. You now know, let's get into a little bit more serious options. I think both of these next two watches are watches that you could buy as a first watch. Someone who had never really considered how much watches cost could buy either one of these next two watches. So next up, HKID, Ed63. We've already discussed it today. I have one. I haven't seen it in a long time. It's coming back to me. I pulled up the black version. HKID, Ed, has a fantastic website. Uh, he did not, that is not always the case. He has not always had a good website or a website. Yeah, he has not always had a website at all. He's got a website. It's fantastic. You can see what's in stock. Ed is the best customer service I've ever run into. Um, you, you know, Ed being one third of EMG, this is his and own And Everett line. is a pain in the ass customer. I'm the worst. I'm the worst. And, and in fact, Ed, Ed can back me up on that. I'm the worst customer. However... Their, his service is so good. I mean, I had a problem, and he just said, send it to me, and we'll fix it. And, and that's where we're at. I haven't seen... It, everything is in China, right? So it's it's taken some time, which literally is... Literally China. That Literally China. Uh, Northern China. So I think that he does all his stuff in China. Uh, and, and I'm guessing on some of this and, and extrapolating on, on others. But, um, you, you know, this watch, 38 millimeters, 46 long... 14 millimeters thick and that includes that big and it's because of the domed crystal domed yeah. crystal yep so i'm probably think, looking at 10 11 no i think probably 12 and a half you think without the crystal uh 18 millimeter lug width good size perfect size super dressy right this thing winds up being super dressy uh there's several options of, of this that you can find your your colors are uh your colors are many your colors are many um Oops, that's the 42. I want the, well, heck. So yeah, he's got a, he's got the traditional sort of red secondhand, blued, blued minute and hour hand seagull version. No really red star. Chinese looking. Very Chinese looking. He's got a panda dial with gold markers. He's got a green dial with silver. He's got a cream dial with gold, blue, blue panda, green panda. Or I guess those are reverse pandas. The all black, which I think right now is the one I'm feeling the most. I love that black with gold. I've tried to get him to come out with a green, like a dark emerald green with gold, and he's been reluctant because I'm just one person. But you can promise him <laughs> one one sale. I will buy it. Uh, so, you know the the options are there, and he changes it. He comes out with new versions. Uh, when he sells one out, I think he gets some more in. So um, I think it's a great option. 260 bucks. ST1901 mechanical movement. I think that except for the alphas, there's a brand called Alpha, n- not with an F, but with a PH. The Alpha chronographs, they also have an ST1901 movement. Uh, and they're, it's like a Daytona ripoff. And they, they, they're very homage um the in my mind the worst kind of homage which is to say there's no uniqueness there's no design cues it's it's a it's a fake watch that's right well without being derogatory it is a it is not an homage it is a recreation a a copy yeah that's right so i'm not a huge fan of that uh but i think the value is there so for 150 bucks you know under 200 bucks you're getting uh, mechanical chronograph and that's cool in and of itself yeah uh ed does the ed does this at 260 so you you save a little bit more money and all of a sudden you're getting something very cool and and these are done in conjunction with seagull and he he's even got a better price on him than seagull that's right 
That's right. So I think this is a great option. I, I think that anybody who's looking for a chronograph ought, ought to think about these. That ST1901 movement is tried and true. I don't I don't have a, a, a good grasp on reliability of it, but I think in ter- it's, it's going to be as reliable as the next best option would be my guess. I have to disagree a little bit with you and say I don't know about this as a first and only watch purchase. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just don't think it has the versatility for someone to have it on their wrist as much as they would ideally want to. Uh, I think this, if you're, if you're first and only watch, if you're going to buy a watch that you just want to wear to work Monday to Friday and you work in an office job, then I think this is a good option. But I think if you're looking for a first and only watch that you're going to wear all the time, this probably isn't it. Yeah, and and perhaps I misspoke. I guess I'm I and and I don't remember what I said. But what I meant to say was, if you're looking for your first sort of chronograph, okay, and it, I can buy that. I'll I'll accept that. And I think I think you're right on the nose with that because this is a terrific option. You, you know, the lugs on this thing are super long. Uh, the only other watch I've tried on that had really long lugs like this was the um, Boulder. The Boulder. That's right. The Boulder Venture. And and I did not like them on the venture on on the on the Ed they were well it's because on the venture they had fixed lugs no 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 yeah they were fixed lugs weren't they no it was uh, they were lugs I mean you could put maybe they were no, fixed. They, they were fixed lugs yeah you're no because I think I had a I had the uh, I had the uh, some sort of rubber strap on there at some point oh yeah yeah they and there was a, an odd gap yeah it, it, it had to be a pass through. And these these don't these aren't like that the the lugs on the ed are not are not that way or on the seagull um they look long and and it feels like the gap's gonna be gonna be uh conspicuous but it, it's not it it, it work plays just fine i love it i love it yeah certainly not in the same way that i now i'm now i'm remembering fully the venture what do you got next next up an- another one i'm i'm actually really excited about I hadn't hadn't seen before my my hunt for this for this episode and it's the citizen at 2400-81a and you can pick it up on joma shop today for 149 dollars and 99 cents and it is really cool yeah uh, it is an eco drive chronograph sapphire crystal 41 millimeter case 10.1 millimeters thick and this is an another really good option for someone who's looking to dip their toes into a uh, into the chronograph world, but wants to have a little bit dressier appeal. And this has a very, it's not exactly a Bauhaus style, but it's really reminiscent of it. It's a really really simple dial. Uh, we have up the the white dial with black markers black hands and they're they're kind of skeleton hands like everything on this watch is just very minimalist i would describe it as scandinavian i know that that's not necessarily a thing i think that's the only way to describe it i think yeah. you're 100 on on that uh really really subtle pushers uh and i think that could probably be could maybe be not probably but maybe be problematic when you're trying to uh to actuate your your chronograph but like it looks like the throw is small right yeah 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 but i mean it, it's it's a core. I mean, it's an eco drive movement, so you're not going to really need to actuate a whole lot. It's not like you're actuating a mechanical chronograph where you really need every bit of that push. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, this this could fit as the dressable chronograph that you want to wear to work Monday to Friday. And I think if you put it on a on a NATO or if you put it on leather, it'd be a good weekend watch. And this is a 
this is a, a really versatile option, I think, for for someone who's looking to looking to get a chronograph, looking to try it out, or just wants a, a, a little bit something different, something fun to wear to to enjoy in this, the chronograph realm. This looks to me like a, a gift for a graduation from architecture school. Yeah, or design school, or <laughs> like yeah. I mean, this I I I could see a whole office filled with graphic designers wearing wearing <laughs> this style wearing of watch. This. I mean, it's it's really unique. It's it's a it's design cues is is something that I that I haven't seen outside of brands like Triwa or Triva. One of those two. Uh, like yeah, or or outside of these very Scandinavian design houses. Uh, and it, it's and it's by a, a brand that we all know and love, mm-hmm. and it's EcoDrive, and it's got a sapphire crystal for 150 bucks. You're going to be hard hard pressed to find watches in the 150 dollar category with sapphire. I like the hooded lugs. I mean, the whole everything about it. It's just it's simple. It's clean. It's dressable without being overly so. You know, we looked at something recently that had a lug connection like this, and I can't remember what it was. Um, I, th- I want to say that one was executed a little bit better than this one, but, uh, I-, I do dig it. I think you've got some good edges. One thing that I like is the, uh, the, the six o'clock subdial is not a, a traditional subdial. It's a hand with just a black crosshair. Yeah. Crosshair. S- same thing with the same thing with the two o'clock. Is it the two o'clock also? It looks. Yep. Oh yeah, it all it the the angle I was looking at it looked like it made it look like a subdial. So you really only have a nine o'clock subdial, and the other two are just crosshair subdials. A four o'clock date window, which I really like. I I like the the four o'clock date window. I don't I don't know why I can't tell you anything other than I I like that it's a little bit unique. Uh, I I like having a date window. It doesn't have to be at three or six for me. Yeah, no, this is good. I think you're probably, you, you know, you're probably going to get a slightly higher quality bracelet on this than you did on the Citizen that we talked about earlier. The um, Casio we talked about? Yeah, that's right. The I Casio. hope so. Um, you, you know, it, it, this is going to be, I think, just a much better all-arounder. Uh, and, and I dig it. Yeah, I think and, I think you're right. It's, and, it's inoffensive. Uh, and, and I know that doesn't sound complimentary, but it's just totally inoffensive. Yeah, it it is an accent and not a conversation piece. Right. No one's gonna look at you that watch and say, "Oh, cool watch." Besides, a watch person. And then we've we've circled all the way back to our early episodes where suddenly you found a friend. Right. <laughs> you know, do you know what these even number markers are? So it looks like it's got pads, and I don't know if those are loom. Uh, if those are loom pads or what those are, but at each of the even numbers, there's a pad, uh, like a gray silver. I think it's just the marker. Okay, I mean it's interesting. It's just an accent. I think. Yeah. Okay. Well, interesting. I dig it, I, and I think that I think that you should buy one so I can wear it. I was gonna say the same to you. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, well, all right. <laughs> We've reached an impasse. <laughs> all right. Well, cool. I'm going to talk about my next watch. I'm excited about it. Yeah, this, so this is a watch. From, I, I looked at this one, too. It's a, co- a watch from a company called Gavox that I don't think we've ever talked about on the show before. No, but we've certainly looked at a lot of their watches, yeah. and we've, talk, we've talked about them. That's right. Uh, you, you know, Gavox, I think, is sort of a um, flight-inspired brand, although I don't think every single one of their watches is what I'd call a, a pilot's or an aviator's watch. They're, and they're a step up from 
aviate i think that's yeah. all flight inspired that's very um very style driven this seems more watch driven yeah i mean they're gonna be they're gonna be a step up i i would guess in terms of quality i would guess in terms of service and also and also in price right yeah you're gonna pay a little bit more for these watches some of their watches tend to be sort of outside of the affordable range even this one is not this one's firmly unaffordable this is a 383 dollar 40 cent watch which is a very specific amount yeah i think it's a i think it's a converted amount but this is the gabox squadron stainless steel this comes in two iterations there's the stainless steel and there's also the pvd version for a little bit more money uh it's a ronda quartz chrono craft so um you're getting a fairly simple swiss slow back quartz movement which is fine which is fine which i like there's i mean we didn't talk about flybacks or snapbacks uh and and slowbacks uh which we maybe should have that was maybe irresponsible but whatever whatever i, I mean i think that there's something to be said for mecha quartz or mechanical you know that that actuated you know you, you know either cam or sort of um that that quick movement you know it's like bam Bam, that's fun. This is going to be quartz. So this is going to do a more traditional slow sweep back, which is which is fine. It, you know, chronographs are the one place where I feel like you, you don't get quite as much... Um, you don't get quite as much sort of feedback from the mechanical movement in, in when you jump up to automatic, right? If you're wearing a three-hander, you get the, that feedback. Mm. It's visual. You can look down and see that sweeping second hand versus the... You know, I felt like, gosh, I got rid of my eco drive, but when I every time I put it on, I felt like it was just, you know, this thing. Gung, you know, gung, gung. <laughs> like, oh, I'm wearing a quartz watch today. Uh, you, you know, I, you're not going to experience. I know, I'm the worst. You're not going to experience that with a chronograph. So I think that if you're, you, you know, unless you've got billions of dollars, you're really in quartz anyway, whether it's mega quartz or quartz or, or a mechanical, a Chinese mechanical. So. Very cool, very cool watch. I love the way it looks. This is a obviously an aviator inspired chronograph watch, but it's got sort of what I'd call a dive bezel. Um, and, and I don't know that this thing is a unidirectional, right directional. I'm not sure. Sixty clicks, hundred and twenty. I'm not sure. I don't care. Um, it, it's a, a hundred meter, ten atmosphere watch, and it's just groovy, man. I dig it. The the I love the cutout hour markers. Mm-hmm. That's something I really dig in chronographs when they cut out the numerals for the subdials. Right. I don't know why, but I dig it. I, I like this thing how they have not. They knew it was busy, and so they just they just threw everything on there. Like Ronda movement. Normally, when when the movement type is on the dial. It's in like almost imperceptible script, you know, this time. That's like a size 14 font at the six o'clock Ronda movement. Uh, you, you know, I, I like it. I like how they've just sort of embraced it. And, and the busyness works really well for me, for my eye. And some people are going to look at this and say too much. You've got too much happening on that dial. And, and so that would, I feel like that's it's no more busy than any aviation inspired chronograph. One thing I will say is I wish when when uh, product photos were taken the date matched the hour location that it was so like with a four o'clock date window i wish it was set to the fourth i don't know why interesting <laughs> instead of the 30th i just wish it was the fourth look look baby we've all got theories 
I like that. <laughs> I think it's fun. Just like the the Casio World Time, the uh, T4 on it is set to Paris. So it's P-A-R-T-4. So it looks like party time. Party. I like that. I, I really like that. <laughs> I want more of it in my life. Like, I want dad jokes in product photographs. I like your style, man. I like your style. So the other cool thing about this watch is it's got a 12-hour alarm. 12-hour chronograph, 12-hour alarm. I love a watch with an alarm. Hell yeah, because you don't get analog watches with an alarm. That That's right. I, I mean, my Dan Hunter 1972 has an alarm. but The only reason you bought it, right? That's right. 41 millimeters by 12 millimeters thick, which, which you look at this thing, you think that's going to be a, a chunky 44, watch. You, immediate, immediate look, you're going to think 44, 45. 41 by 12, 51 long, so it's going to run a little long, and those lugs are a little bit long. It's got a sweet-looking bracelet. No first-hand experience, but uh, it, it looks great. The bracelet looks great. The connections are screw connections. Love that. Um, you, you, you know, you can get this version with sort of roundel submarkers. Uh, shout out to Brad Holmes for schooling us like that, we deserved. <laughs> and that's it, man. I dig it. I love. I really do like this watch. I I really like it with the roundel with the everything else blacked out. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to get my hands on on one of these you know i I, i've got i i I think i've got a plan here for this so stay tuned more to come all right and everything about it seems like it should be more than a 380 dollar chronograph last on it my last watch a a, a company we haven't talked about before i don't think yeah, we talked about them a couple times. Okay, yep. maybe in passing, but but not maybe maybe not a watch we I profiled. Think one of you wasn't one of your six hundred dollar watches, a brew. Possible. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> the brew retrograph uh, on the brew website three hundred and fifty money, and I chose the, specifically to have up the copper, and it is beautiful. Brew is kicking out some really awesome watches. They're a really cool company based out of New York. They've done espresso timer chronographs. Uh, but this, w- w- what you're looking at here is a 38 millimeter by 41.5 lug to lug square chronograph reminiscent of the uh, Monaco uh, in that, in that shape and that two, that, that no, 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 no in, in the shape. I'm not, it's a, okay. Everett's shaking his head. No, he can eat dicks. <laughs> It is a rectangular, tending towards square chronograph with a 9 and a 3 o'clock subdial, also rectangular, maybe square actually, tending towards square chrono- or, uh, subdials, which to me, my, my head immediately goes toward the Monaco in that shape and subdial uh, layout. Um on the case you you're got, out of your fucking mind you've on the case <laughs> push through it <laughs> on the case you've got this really great shape and finishing and a just a terrifically executed accent black around the dial uh it's a little bit thicker at the that on the uh top and bottom and then a nice narrow pinstripe on the left and right sides really appropriately sized and angled even pushers and crown and this is beautiful it's coming on black leather uh and it 
I might have already said it, but it's 350 bucks, uh, and it's powered by the uh, VK64 Mecha Quartz. Mecha Quartz for days, man. And I, I love, love that Mecha Quartz. Love that. Uh, I wore I wore my SSB um, tonight in in Mecha Quartz and in honor of our Chronograph episode. Uh, and I I love Mecha Quartz movements. It's the shit. It's it's the total shit, man. I, Mecha Quartz. That's the truth. If you're looking for an affordable Chronograph and you want it to feel mechanical, Mecha Quartz all day long. Yeah, and and they're being used by some of the some of the the biggest players in the game, and this is is a you know it's it's a little bit more on the expensive side for chronograph. I don't think this is a try it watch. I think this is a see it, fall in love with it, get it because you know it's going to be shit hot chronograph. And you know if you want to see pictures of these in, in life, Chad Wright, uh, I think yeah. it's at Chad Wright on Instagram. Yeah takes wonderful photographs better than we do the best i mean some of the best photographs on instagram and he's got a he's got a brew retrograph that he takes just stunning pictures of about once a week maybe twice a week uh and you can see this thing in all its glory they he does a better job than i think brew has done on their website um it's just a stunning watch super photogenic on their website are their product photos their appropriate product photos and he's, he's taking lifestyle photos that are just beautiful i mean dude's a dude's a killer photographer i I love this copper color you you know i maybe it's just because i know that this watch has sort of got copy inspiration but um it looks to me like it's about the color of a coffee filter after you've run it through i was gonna think a latte but you went ahead and went with uh (laughs) used coffee filter it's maybe a little less flattering yeah i love it so that's not meant to be a criticism uh it is a stunning watch that sunburst is and the markers are just beautiful, black with white accents. I mean, this is this made this is on the list. Sapphire, twenty-two millimeter strap, uh, ten and a half millimeters thick, beauty. Yeah, only fifty meters of water resistance, but you know, you know, you're talking about it's it's a, yeah, it's a little bit on the lighter end. But I don't get my watch. I don't even shower in my watches. I put them on after I shower. I dig it, dude. Good call. Thank you. My last watch. Okay. Uh, this is a watch that I feel like we should have talked about on the show if we haven't. I feel like we have. I we, really f- feel like we have. We, we maybe have. And, and so apologies if this is a repeat. I'm going to come back to it because I think it's such a great option if you've got a little bit more money to spend. So this is a $500 watch. Not cheap. This is a watch from the Stratton Watch Company. They are a driving-inspired company. Their Instagram is full of cool old cars. They also make driving gloves. They're a racing company how uh, dope would it be to wear one of their watches and driving gloves in, in, in an in an in old a, porsche in a, yeah in a classic in like a 1970s air-cooled porsche yeah that's my dream we'll never be there <laughs> no i'm more likely to be able to develop a split second watch than we are to be able right. to, to execute that photograph perhaps if i lose a leg Ooh. in a in a grocery store related accident i'll be able to afford an air-cooled Porsche. While you're representing another grocery store. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, so, you know, there's a number of different color variations. The one I like the most is the black or sort of slate dialed sunburst with the yellow and orange markers. I think it's fantastic. They've also got a brown version with similar color. They've got blue. Black They've... on black on black is Mur- dope. Murdered out. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that they do also have a, a, a not PVD, but a DLC coded version of this watch uh, for the, for the same price. Um, Five hundred bucks. They come in two sizes: 40, 39 and a half millimeters or forty two. Thirty nine uh, height is going to be perfect. 
that's what I think. Uh, you, you, you know, the one thing I have to say about this watch, and it's the one thing that I think has probably kept me from buying in the past because it's the only thing that that makes me feel a little anxiety about it. It's chunky. Mm-hmm. He's, she's a chunky monkey. Yeah, she's thick. She's thick. Uh, so without the crystal, before you get to the crystal, she's 14 millimeters thick, 13.9. That's and that's the that's the thirty nine and a half version. So she she's thick, thicky thick, is what we call that. Um, you you know with the smaller version you get twenty millimeter lugs, which I think is perfect for this. It's a square lug, so you you, you know this comes on a Milanese, but Milanese, Bolognese, uh, it it comes yeah. on a Milanese strap or a number of pretty pretty neat looking leather versions. I really like this with their gray rally strap with it's got an orange piping on it uh, or orange stitching on it uh, these watches are just phenomenal uh if you can get back past the chunky the the best video i've seen of these on youtube is by just one more watch jody from just more more watch he does a good review of this watch <clears throat> and i think his is the 39 and a half millimeter version so phenomenal v vk64 sapphire you can get the dlc if that's your deal um just super duper cool love them yeah and love that them. rounds it out that rounds Man, it out they have some good straps though yeah and they come with you you also get a, a nato and there's just a number of really neat natos that they sell too so uh and, and they're branded stratton i don't know who's making these um but i assume they're going to be a fairly standard upper quality standard nato so that's a good list Go out and buy a chronograph, y'all. They're fun. Chronographs are fun. I, it's I, my favorite watch to wear as a chronograph. So whether it's my Ed or my or my Dan Henry 72, I, I just have fun when I wear them. I time so much shit. <laughs> Me too. Stupid stuff. The amount of silence in a conversation. How long a person's <laughs> been talking. How long it takes my wife to respond to me when I ask her a question. I use my phone for that. I time how long people have, <laughs> have left the classroom. Uh, all kinds of stuff. Well, I think I think we we can put a cap on it for today. We'd love to know if we've missed any big ones. Obviously, there's a number of watches that we've talked about in the past that we kind of skipped over today. Um, any other great options that we missed, let us know. And we'll we'll shout you out. Um, this is the time of show where we talk about other stuff, Andrew. So I was just wondering if you have any things in your life that aren't watch related that you'd like to talk about. I sure do, and I have. I I saw an article the other day uh, that was titled. Um, why being busy shouldn't be a badge of honor. And I was thinking about that uh, this week, about how how we, we as a culture, uh, really pride ourselves on how busy we are and how much shit we take on. Um, and there's dozens and dozens of articles out there. And one that I one that I read over the, the last in, in the last week or so uh, was this uh, research article that was that outlined the fact that peasants in the middle ages had more time off and a better work-life balance than we as the modern american do uh and i read a vice article a few weeks back that was uh photos this this uh photojournalist took of Japanese businessmen sleeping in all kinds of random places and he I don't remember how long exactly he uh he worked on this project and it was about 10 years ago uh and he he had all these photos like like 
daytime slash evening and even nighttime photos that were clearly of a dude who'd been at the bar and had just passed out. But there was also a good number of them of guys who were like on their way home from work and like sat down at a bus station and just went lights out. Um, and it got me thinking about how we, we take so much pride in our work and how much pride we, we take in spending time at work. And it, it has kind of brought me back to this place where I'm, I'm going to be much more diligent about valuing and enjoying my time that is not allocated to work that is not already allocated and I'm going to be for the this isn't exactly a new year's resolution or maybe even turning over a new leaf but I'm going to be much more protective of the time that I don't have allocated to work uh or to other obligations and I'm going to be I'm going to be much more protective of that time uh, because I don't want to be the guy who, oh man, I'm just so busy. I'm doing this and this and this and this and this. I don't, I don't like that about me, and I want to, I want to improve on that. Is this the way you tell me that you're quitting the podcast? Uh, this is the way I tell you that we're gonna fish more. Okay, I like that. Let's fucking fish more, man. I yeah. need to do that. Yeah, I haven't caught any fish in 2019. Not one, not a one. <sighs> me either. And I've, I've taken the boy fishing quite a few times. <laughs> That's another problem. <laughs> well, I mean, I haven't taken my rod out in 2019. Okay. I've had the Paw Patrol rod out, I mean, 10 times easy. <laughs> but, but my rod is not uh, has not broken broken the case. Well, let's get out there, dude. Let's get out there. What you got? You know, so this is a thing that, uh, this is a thing that's photography related because I'm sort of on a photography kick. Um, but, but it just occurred to me how useful this thing is. I've got two of them now. The, the... Well, the item is, this is a, a an L bracket, and, and I'm going to talk about a specific L bracket. And the reason I'm going to talk about this specific L bracket is because it's super cheap. So, if you don't know what an L bracket is, an L bracket is... It's a bracket that is L-shaped. Mostly. This is a this is an item that's going to that's gonna screw into your camera if you've got, uh, except for the smallest mirrorless cameras, any SLR or DSLR camera, this is going to work with. This is a universal L-bracket. Now, they make two types of L-brackets. One of those are those. One of the types is an L-bracket that's made specifically for your camera. So, um, really right stuff makes these specific for all sorts of DSLRs, you know, whether you have a D7200 or a D850 or... You know, one of the Canon model of cameras that are the same type of thing. You can find one that's cut got cutouts for your camera, so you're going to be able to use the microphone and and whatever without taking the thing off. I've never worried about that. I just get the universal ones. Um, this is the MPU 100. This thing is four dollars and thirty six cents with free shipping on eBay right now. I've got a number of these things. I don't even know what it does, and I want to buy one. I'm going to tell you what it does. So these things are made out of aluminum. It's it's cheap aluminum. This is for a quick-release plate. So if you've got a tripod, which many of us do, and, and let me tell you, if you're not taking your watch pictures with tripod... Fix yourself, bro. Fix yourself. So, uh, you, you know, as I've gotten into film photography, I, I've realized, you know, sometimes I want to have a digital camera. I want to have a film camera. I might also have another digital camera. It's and a Polaroid just for funsies. It, it's nice to be able to use the quick release the way it's intended. So most quick release systems now are compatible with Arca Swiss uh, or, or Benro, perhaps. Um, 
you, you, you unscrew the thing, you slap your quick release plate in there, you unscrew it, and, and you're good to go. Uh, I, I like to have a number of these things. The nice thing about an L-bracket is it gives you, on the left side of the camera, a plate as well. So you've got plate on the bottom, you've got plate mm. along the side, so you can switch from landscape to portrait. So for less than five bucks, you can get on eBay, pick one of these things up, and for me, I find it so incredibly useful um, you, you know, I remember the first time I was out taking a picture on a tripod and I realized I wasn't going to be able to get the shot I wanted because even with the ability to turn my ball head all the way over, I couldn't get the angle right. Um, you, you know, having the ability to just unscrew your plate, turn the camera over on its side and plug it back in is huge. Uh, so kind of a weird thing. But I love them. I think that probably some very high percentage of our viewers take pictures. I would imagine so. I think this is a super, super easy. But mostly our listeners, not our viewers. Yeah, you know. You don't want to look at they us. They might so. look at us too. You, you never know. It. Maybe they listen to us and, and just look at pictures of our Instagrams, our personal Instagrams. Maybe. And think about us talking. I hate that for you, y'all. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's it, man. I'm not going to talk about this thing anymore. Get an O-bracket. Get two. Get three. Put them on every camera. I never take them off my cameras. People always say, what is that on your camera? Oh, it's an L-bracket. And don't get an expensive one. Get one of these $5 ones. America. America. That's it. For me, too. Thanks for joining us for this episode of 40 and 20. Don't forget to tune back in next week for another hour of watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Bye-bye. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 License.